All right, good morning, Trace. How are we feeling this morning? How's everybody doing? Everybody feeling good? Good to have each and every one of you with us today. My name is Aaron, and I am one of the pastors here. And especially if this is your first time, I want to extend a special welcome to you. I will be available out at Next Steps. I would personally love the opportunity to meet you today. Just say hi. Won't take too much time from you. So when we're done, if you don't mind stopping by, out at Next Steps and uh, give me that honor. I would really appreciate it. Hey, before we jump into my sermon, I do wanna just share with you some talking points, some things that I think probably are obvious to you. You've been hearing us talk about it and that's the fact that we have been growing a lot as a church. And so if I can, I just wanna speak to this really quick before I jump into my sermon. And the first thing that I would say is this, you should know this about us, that we determined a long time ago, we determined a long time ago that we were never going to be a church that measured its effectiveness based on how many people came to it. And you probably know this, right? I mean, you can have a big church, but still have a little impact because you lose sight of the main thing, right? But at the same time, let me speak out of both sides of my mouth, it doesn't mean that we don't want this to grow. All of us should want the kingdom of God to grow. I've even met people sometimes that come here and it's like, hey, we love the size of this church. And I say, I hope you're really disappointed in then in a few months because all of us should want the kingdom of God to grow. The, like healthy things should grow. We should expect healthy things to grow, which is why we often share this when it comes to numbers. If we're talking about numbers at all, we're reminded that every number has a name and every name has a story and every single story matters to God, which means it matters to us. And for what it's worth, guys, it is stories that what we're after. Like if you were to ask us, like, what do you measure as, a, as, as whether or not we're being effective as a church? I would say it's stories of life change because I've done this for long enough to know that it's people that are experiencing life change who become some of the most motivated people to want to change others' lives. And if you were to ask me, why are we growing so much right now? I think I would point to that. I would point to the fact that there's been so much life change happening here, some of that happening in your life, and that it's motivated you to want to invite friends and family members and coworkers and strangers even to come and experience this because of what's happening within you. That's what we want to celebrate. And we've got so many things that we could celebrate. In the past few weeks, we've seen more students than we've ever seen in this church. We've had more kids, yeah, you just actually hold the applause. I think we're gonna applaud at the end of this. <laughs> we've had more kids than we've ever had in our kids' ministry. We've had more women just come back from our women's street that have ever gone on a women's retreat. We, as um, Morgan mentioned, we've had so many people sign up for Rooted that we had to close registration because we don't have enough leaders to facilitate it. We have uh, what's called a Becoming a Trace luncheon here at Trace where people who are interested in making this their, their church home uh, attend that class. If you've never attended that class, you need to make that your next step but we had the most people that we've ever had in one of those Becoming a Trace luncheons. And men, coming up this Tuesday, our men's breakfast. Breakfast, remember, boys make excuses, men take responsibility, get your butt to Trace on 6, at 6.30 this coming Tuesday. But maybe the thing that we celebrate the most, and we should, are salvations in Jesus. Eternal destinations changed. And it's been amazing because I think I can say this, I'm pretty sure this is accurate. Every single Sunday since the beginning of this year, we have celebrated a baptism here at Trace. Yes, you can applaud for that. That's the sign of a healthy church. And healthy things should grow. And we're never gonna allow numbers to define us, but we will allow stories 
to define us. Because every single person in this room represents a story. And to a great extent, your story is helping to shape the story of Trace Church. And guys, when I get up here, like no matter how big this church gets, like again, if people that know me know this, like I'm not set out to like have a big mega church. We're gonna be a church planting church. And so as we grow, we're gonna look at planting future churches and other churches. And I don't ever wanna get caught up to where when I get up here, I feel like I'm speaking to a crowd. I don't even wanna speak to a camera. I wanna speak to you. And I promise you every single week, I spend some real quality time with my heavenly father asking him to give me something that I can share with you every week that I get up here and preach, that God would give me something to share with you that would help you to develop in your faith, to stand firm, something that would make a difference in your life, something that would allow you to stand firmer in the gospel where you live and where you work and where you play. So as we grow, let's grow for the right reasons. And let's make sure that we're all individually growing in Jesus. I don't want us to grow because of the music because of me or Dr. T's muscles, which we can all agree are amazing, right? (laughs) Praise God, hallelujah. (laughs) I want God to look at this church and have plenty of reasons why he wants to continue to pour his blessing out in this place because of our faithfulness to Jesus. Let me pray really quick and then we'll dive into my sermon. God, thank you. Thank you for the examples of life change that are represented in this room right now, including mine. Father, I thank you that, yeah, we are growing, but God, I pray that we always measure the right things. We measure stories of life change. We measure people that are giving their life and surrendering to Jesus. And so God, may we give you every reason possible to continue to look at this church as, some, as someone, or I should say something and, and a people that are worthy to continue to be blessed. God, we love you. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. All right, well, hey, today we're kicking off a new series called Money and Sense. And let me just begin with a caveat. If you have ever been a part of a church that only talked about money when they needed more of it, (laughs) uh, I wanna let you know that I'm genuinely sorry. It's not supposed to be that way. Uh, We talk about money every year around this time of year. We do a series on money because we believe this topic is incredibly important. But I wanna let you know, I wanna give you a heads up. I'm not gonna ask anything from you today. We talk about money because uh, it has the, the ability, it has the tendency to do some really awesome things, but it can also do some really evil things, which is why Jesus talks about the subject so much. Because yes, in one hand, man, it can have an incredible impact for the kingdom if we look at it a certain way, but you and I both know that it can also lead even good people to make major compromises in their life in the pursuit of it. So it's a really important subject. And so as we look at it today, I just want to let you know, I want to give you a heads up, you know, on the front end of this, that I'm not going to ask anything from you today. And as a church, I would say collectively, we don't want anything from you, but there's a whole lot that we want for you, which is why we feel necessary to tackle this subject every single year, especially on the beginning, at the beginning of a year to make sure that we're not getting too sideways in our approach of money, because that's really what it comes down to, like to keep us from getting stuck or maybe caught up in the rut of how we approach money that leads to, maybe not evil, but leads to compromise, it all comes down to what, or better yet, who we're devoted to. Several years ago, um, I was having lunch with a friend of mine. I was still living down in Arizona, and as we're having lunch in this restaurant, we're inside, 
This middle-aged Hispanic woman comes and stands right beside me and she holds up a sign that looks something like this. Right in the restaurant. Comes and stands right beside the booth and kind of just holds it right in front of me. And I would love to tell you that my first response, your pastor's first response, was something like, hey, how can I help? I would love to tell you my first response is, hey, can I buy you something to eat? I'd love to tell you that my first response is, hey, is there, is there a way that we could pray for you? But that, that wasn't my first response. My first response was one of inconvenience where I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? And then quickly looking around the room, hoping that there's a manager that observes what's going on and thinking to myself, like, why are you guys allowing this to take place? That was my first response. But it wasn't my last response. I'm gonna come back to finish that story before we're done today. If someone were to ask me if there were a particular verse in the Bible or a particular statement in the New Testament that stands out more than others, I would immediately think of something that Jesus once said in Matthew chapter six. And many of you know this, that in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, which is captured between Matthew 5 and Matthew 7, so uh, all of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is what's represented in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a very famous sermon. It's a sermon that Jesus preached over and over again. And as he's concluding this section on money, as he's concluding, because he takes this moment and he talks through the subject of money in several different ways. And there's a lot of interesting things that he says, but if I were to point to one particular statement that stands out to me, it's how he concludes that moment with his disciples as he's teaching this Sermon on the Mount. He says, guys, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the reason this statement stands out to me is because never again do we see Jesus put two things side by side and actually say, you're gonna have to choose. Now, to be clear, he doesn't say that you can't have both. He doesn't say that if you have a lot of money, that means you also can't love God. He doesn't say that. He also doesn't give us parameters on how to spend our money. What he says is that you can't serve both. In other words, your heart can't belong and be devoted to both because you're going to end up loving one more than the other. And what you love the most, maybe you need to write this down, what you love the most will get the most of you. And maybe in, on one hand, we can emphatically say, well, I don't love money more than God, right? We immediately go to that. Like I, I could tell you right now, there's no way that I would ever say that I love money more than God, but the only way that that statement can be qualified is to answer this question. What is getting the most of you? Like right now, what is getting the most of you? I wanna say it was about a year ago, I was talking with my son, Jonathan. He's my only son. We've got three daughters and got a son. And I was talking with him and I do this from time to time with each of my kids and I asked him a question. I said, Jonathan, how can daddy show up for you more right now? And, and dads, I'd you know, give you full permission to steal that. I probably stole it from somebody else. I don't know where I got it, but just look at your son or daughter. How can daddy show up for you more right now? And I'd asked him this question before, but this particular time he was kind of flipping about it. I don't know, dad. I'm like, no, seriously, son. Like, how can your dad show up for you more right now? And he finally said something like this. He was like, I don't know, dad. You just always seem to be on your phone. To which I responded, did your mom put you up to this? No, I didn't. 
I was convicted that I'd allowed this little screen to come in between me and my son. And that, that moment alongside of some other things led me to cancel all of my social media accounts. I'm not telling you that's what you need to do, but I promise you I've not missed it. But I've also not missed nearly as many moments as I once did. You see, one of the things that we have to understand is that any time that we hold on to something, any time that we grab onto something, we almost always give up something else in return. And so when Jesus puts money and God side by side and says, make a decision, it was his way of warning us that, it, that if we grab and we hold on to this too tightly, we will almost naturally let go of something else. And oftentimes what we let go of is actually God, which is why Jesus puts these two things in front of us and says, you're gonna have to choose on this one. Now think about this from the perspective of a parent. Parents, you know this, you wanna do everything that you can to protect your kids, especially when they're little, right? And so you wanna teach them not to like stick metal things in the, in the electric outlet socket and you put those little plastic metal, or um, those little plastic covers over the sockets and maybe you got a little COVID mask and put that on them during COVID. Maybe you get close to warm objects like the stove or a candle that's burning and you kind of show them like, owie, like don't touch like owie. You know, you wrap the crib with bubble wrap, you know, just the essentials. <laughs> this is baby number one. By the time you get to baby number four, it looks more like this. <laughs> just throw the dog in. Hey, we're going out on a date. You're good. We'll be back in. No, we don't do that. That's abuse, just to be clear. But I thought that was cute. Guys, think about it. If we do that for our children, and if God considers us his children, and by the way, he does, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, in John's gospel in chapter one, it says that you earn the right to become children of God, which actually means that not everybody is. But if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are one of God's kids. And as one of God's kids, you better believe that he wants to, he wants to warn you and protect you and keep you from doing things that would come in between him and you. And think about it, if there was one particular thing, think about it from God's perspective. If, if he's a good father and there's one particular thing that has the tendency to come in between us and him, wouldn't it make sense that he would actually say some pretty strong words on the subject? In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard, not impossible, but it's very hard for a rich man very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded by this and it's like, well then who in the world can be saved? Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Now to be clear, I actually don't think Jesus is talking about how much money that you own in this particular passage in this particular text of scripture. What I think he's asking us, all of us, to consider is this question right here. How much does money own you? How much is the pursuit of money owning your time, your devotion, your sacrifice, your allegiance, your attention, how much is money actually owning your heart? 
because what you love the most will get the most of you. So let me ask the question once again. What is getting the most of you right now? Trace, today my motivation is not to tell anyone anything about how to spend your money. I'm simply letting you know that your heavenly father loves you enough to let you know that this is going to be an obstacle that comes in between us, most of us, and him. And if you're new here to Trace, you need to know that our greatest motivation here is to actually remove obstacles, to remove every obstacle so that we can get you to Jesus. And based on what I read in the New Testament, I think God does a great job showing us that our devotion to money will be one of the biggest obstacles that comes in between us and him and keeps us from being fully devoted to Jesus. Paul says it pretty strongly as well. When he writes to Timothy, he says, for the love of money, not just money, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And from my vantage point, I would, let, I would tell you this, I see this happen all the time. I watch people that are incredibly capable of doing great things for the kingdom become less and less available because of an unhealthy eagerness for money. And I've, ex I've experienced this so much and I've explained it so much that I finally just came up with my own little equation. That capability without availability equals spiritual passivity. Somebody needs to write that down. Capability without availability equals spiritual passivity. And as a pastor, it pains me. It pains me to see and watch so much potential go to waste for something else that will honestly produce so very little in the long run. Jesus once told a parable that I think illustrates this point better than I ever could. And it's called the parable of the seeds or the farmer who sowed seeds. And I wanna to read to you, he's already explained the parable in Matthew chapter 13, I'm sorry, he's already told the parable. Now he's gonna go and des describe and explain this parable to his disciples and let them know what it, what it meant. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, hashtag go to rooted, right? Unashamed, unashamed plug right there. They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among, those, uh, fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life, and don't miss it, and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. But the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. So let me ask you one more question. What do you want, like truly, what do you want your life to produce? More stuff or more stories? Because we want this to be a place that produces more stories of life change, and it is possible for all of us to leverage our wealth in a way that leads to more kingdom impact, that leads to more life change in Jesus. 
And I watched some of you do that so incredibly well, which is why we never see, this is why I would point to why we never see God in the New Testament actually encourage us not to grow our wealth because he knows that in the right hands, it has the ability and the potential to do amazing things for the kingdom. But it comes down to our approach. And when we approach it with a kingdom mindset, how we leverage our wealth, it leads to hope. And church, hope, hope helps. Hope gives the kind of help that can last for eternity. So even though I told you I wasn't gonna tell you what to do with your money, I actually am. <laughs> Go ahead and make investments. Like be wise with your money. Go get into real estate, grow your business, bet on the Super Bowl. Just make sure you tithe on your winnings. No, I'm just, I'm back. take that out. Can we cut that? Can we take that out? <laughs> Listen to me, don't ever be afraid. Don't ever be afraid to grow your wealth. Just don't give it your heart. Can I say it one more time? Don't ever be afraid to grow your wealth. Just don't give it your heart because every transaction, and if you've lived for any amount of time, you know this to be true. Every transaction comes at an expense. You'll always give up something when you're gaining something else. And guys, sometimes what we give up, it grows up, right? Maybe you sacrifice a lot of time with your kids to get that business off the ground. And you're like, yeah, but I'll come back around and I'll make things right. I just gotta get this thing going. And ultimately what you realize is that you gave up so much time that could never be, that could never be brought back and you missed opportunities that could never be made up. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's kind of disconnecting from your family or your spouse because, man, work is so much more enticing and exciting because of the sales that you're making. And it's like, hey, they're gonna be okay because once they see the money that's gonna come in, they'll be okay the fact that I've had to sacrifice so much family time that I needed to you know, just keep plowing into all the sales that I'm making. Maybe, maybe it's somebody that finally gets their degree and they're excited. Maybe they got that degree a little bit further in life and so now they're just jazzed that they're gonna actually have a career that they've been looking forward to having for so long and now there's a promotion on the table and so you wanna go after that promotion and so you plow hard, but in order to plow hard to hopefully allow that promotion to come to fruition, you're gonna have to disconnect from some things and so you disconnect from some relationships and you disconnect from potentially even your faith. It's amazing what we will give up in pursuit of George, isn't it? And we would love to act like that we own George, but oftentimes if we, don't, if we aren't careful, George will own us. So how do we keep this from happening, Trace? How do we keep this from happening? Like even though we wanna tell ourselves and convince ourselves, no, 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 this is not a big deal for me. And no, 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 I own, like it doesn't own me. I would just ask you the question again, what's getting the most of you right now? What's getting the most of you? So what do we do? Like if God made this so clear that this should be something we need to pay more attention to that could potentially become a huge obstacle between us and him, what do we do to combat that? Well, I think for starters, we learn to let it go. We learn to give it away. To which there's probably a few people in here right now that are thinking, there it is. You almost had me, pastor. 
But now I bet, like, here comes the old bait and switch where now you kind of set this up in such a way, but now I bet you're getting ready to take an offering, aren't you? To which I would say, yeah, we actually are getting ready to take an offering. But before we do, and if you want to get some ushers in place before we take the offering, can I finish that story that I began with? So I'm sitting in that restaurant, and this lady is standing in front of me. And by the way, that's never happened to me before and never happened to me since. That this lady standing in front of me in this restaurant, like standing right beside me, this sign. And as I'm looking around the room and looking for somebody, it's like, hey, why aren't they being ushered out? Somebody does come and get her and ushers her out the door. And it's about the time that she's walking out the door that I am wrecked that I'm completely convicted by the Holy Spirit because what I didn't share with you is that in my backpack that was with me was an envelope. And in that envelope was some money. And I had been praying for weeks, God, would you show me who needs a tangible blessing in their life? Lord, would you show me who could actually use this the most? Somebody that desperately needs to know that you're still aware of them you still see them, and you still know their circumstances. And I'd literally prayed, God, show me a sign. <laughs> I feel like the angels in heaven at that moment were like, are you kidding me, you big dummy? Like how much clearer could we put a sign? Yeah. And so I got up, told the guy I'm having lunch with, hey, give me just a moment. Grab my envelope. Ran out and grabbed her. She didn't speak very good English, but... I prayed that she understood me when I just looked at her and said, hey, I just wanna let you know that God sees you. And I believe he wanted you to have this as a reminder that he's aware of your circumstances. And hopefully this can be just a little blessing to remind you of how good your heavenly father is. So I'm gonna have the ushers go ahead and get in place and we're gonna take an offering. But it's gonna be a little bit different because today you're gonna to take an offering. Today we're gonna to give away $20,000. And as the buckets are passed down the aisle, uh, they're gonna be a bunch of envelopes. And we're gonna ask that if you're 16 years old or older that you can participate in this. And so you're gonna take an envelope out and in that envelope is either a $20 bill, a $20 bill, a $50 bill, or a $100 bill. And I'm gonna ask that you start praying more than maybe you've ever prayed for God to use you and to set up a divine appointment for you. And that maybe this little exercise makes you hypersensitive to the Holy Spirit and how God wants to use you in your life. And ready, your availability, because don't forget, the capability without availability is spiritual passivity. That God wants to use you to bring hope because listen to me, hope helps. And so we want you to pray over these envelopes. And if you want to, double the amount of money that's in there. Add more money to it. Maybe you do this as a family. God, show us. Help us to be available. God, we know that you work this way. We know that there's somebody right now that is desperate. And by all means, I'm not telling you to go give it to the first person that puts a cardboard sign in front of you, because I think all of us are wise enough to know that sometimes helping hurts. But somebody needs a wink from their heavenly father. Somebody needs a whisper to know that God still sees them. 
And we wanna give you a head start with that. And some of you potentially, listen to me, this is how I'm gonna close. Some of you are potentially thinking, well, Aaron, aren't we, aren't we supposed to be saving up for a future building and you're giving away $20,000? Like, is that wise? To which I would say, I am so much less concerned about the building that we one day buy than the type of people who fill it. Yeah. And so may this be the beginning to our willingness to be more available for the Holy Spirit to get our attention and say, here's your opportunity to leverage hope. Let me pray for us. Actually, let me do this. I'm not gonna pray yet. That was like a pause on prayer. Am I allowed to do that? Go ahead and pass those. So as they're passing, grab one of these envelopes. And here's what I would say as those are being passed. Again, just grab one envelope. Uh, you can grab, even a husband and wife, you can both grab one. Um, we'd love to hear how God shows up in this. We really would. And so, you know, I'm not on social media anymore, as I mentioned, but if you are, uh, man, get on there, get on one of our platforms and share a story of what God's doing. Maybe send us an email, let us know how God showed up. And we wanna celebrate this together and we wanna see how God shows up in your life and how maybe he's brought something to your attention through this exercise that had either been fading uh, or maybe never been developed. And so uh, I am gonna go ahead and pray. And so this, I don't know how long it's gonna take. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna lead to a time of response. Father, thank you for this morning. God, thanks for the opportunity to be up here and talk about what you're capable of. And God, we also know that we're probably capable of more than we think we are but oftentimes it comes down to our availability that will lend itself to how much you can actually use us. And so God, I pray this small exercise and this investment really becomes a catalyst for us being more available to the promptings of your Holy Spirit, leading us in any given moment to be ready to respond to a divine appointment that you have set. And God, I pray that this continues much further than this exercise allows for, God, that we would continue to just see and know that you have the power to use us every single day to be a trace of your love, to leverage hope and how much hope can help. So God, we give this moment to you. God, we give this exercise to you. God, would you show up in ways that are beyond our understanding? We love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.